It's that time of year here in Singapore when hordes of mosquitoes come out to feast. But sometimes an encounter with a tiger mosquito leaves you with more than just an annoyingly itchy bite or two. Hi everyone, I'm Nicole Lim from Duke NUS and you're listening to Medicus the Podcast, the show that takes you into the lab to discover how science is changing our world. And in this episode, I'm taming my urge to reach for an electric racket at the first hum of a flying stinger. To go in search of the insectary, a real mosquito haven, hidden away between lab benches at Duke NUS, to meet two scientists who have cared for and studied generations of Aedes mosquitoes, to find out how we can bring dengue to a full stop. I'm in the lab and I'm searching for the insectary. Ah, here it is. And here are my two guests for today's show. Hi, I'm Milly. I'm a senior research fellow from the program in Emerging Infectious Diseases. So I'm actually um, leading the um, insectary core facility. And I am Manchi. I am the laboratory technologist uh, for nine years here in the insectary. So I'm in charge of uh, teaching these, uh, the students, the newly uh, uh, researchers for uh, their mosquito uh, works. So, shall we go in? Yes. Sure, let's go in. As we weave through the two sets of overlapping fabric curtains, I'm hit by the humidity and warmth. So this insect tree is actually maintained at a temperature of 28 degrees Celsius at 80% humidity. So this is actually to mimic uh, the natural environment that the mosquito likes. And also in our room, the lights mimic the light dark condition in the natural environment. I guess all these mosquitoes are Singapore natives then? Yeah, we have been maintaining um, colonies that we caught from the field in Amokyo for about 12 years now. The generation is already 254. These are like the primary vectors that actually transmit arboviruses, such as um, very common tropical diseases like dengue viruses, chikungunya viruses, as well as Zika viruses. Just looking at these cubes, which are about the size of a standard storage box teeming with mosquitoes, makes me itch. When I first entered the insect tree and I see these cages of mosquito, my skin can't help but itch. And I was very paranoid about working with mosquitoes. But slowly while working with mosquitoes, I feel that dengue, right, because its, it's natural host is only in mosquitoes and in humans, there are no good um, um, non-human primate models or like mouse models. So I feel that by working with mosquitoes, I can actually contribute more in looking at how um, the virus actually um, replicate in the mosquitoes, what are the mechanisms, and I feel that this is an important area of research that needs more talent to go into. But before you can do these studies, researchers need healthy mosquitoes, and that's where Menchi comes in. Menchi, can you tell us a bit more? So in this laboratory, we perform mosquito reading for maintaining uh, colonies and for research uh, purposes. So to start the mosquito reading, we need to blood feed three to five day old uh, female mosquitoes because they need protein of the blood to develop the eggs and in order for the mosquitoes to lay eggs. So first in day one, we feed the mosquitoes with the pig blood use, using the Hemotech artificial feeding system in which the temperature maintained at 37 degrees Celsius. So this mimics the body temperature of a human. So it tastes like fresh blood to the mosquito? Yeah. 
So the cage contains male and female mosquitoes with 10% sucrose and water. Then only female mosquitoes come to feed on the blood. And then we use pig intestine as the artificial feeding membrane to put on the hemotech feeder and add uh, 2 to 3 ml of pig blood. And how many female mosquitoes does that feed? A lot. It depends on how many uh, mosquitoes I uh, uh, put in the uh, cage. I think 500 to 1,000. So the feeding is around, uh, the feeding time is around 30 to 45 minutes. So two days after the blood feeding, the mosquitoes will start to lay eggs. And these eggs are harvested so that we don't end up with too many mosquitoes and have a large enough egg supply for the different research projects going on. And then once a researcher, like Millie, requires mosquitoes for a project, Menchi, you will use some of those eggs? And I see a set of trays full of black dots wriggling around. Are those the eggs? So here we hatch the eggs in a small plastic container with hatching yeast broth. It usually takes one to two days for the eggs to hatch. Then the next day, transfer them into the larvae ponds with three-fourth uh, filled water. And then we feed the mosquito larvae with ground fish food diluted in water. Then the larvae will grow from first to fourth instar within five days of hatching. And that's the wrigglers in the trays. After six to nine days from hatching, larvae will develop into pupae and must be separated uh, using the pipette. So the pupae will then be transferred to mosquito cage with 10% sucrose and water. So the mosquitoes will emerge from the pupae in two to three days time. And then the mosquitoes are ready to be studied. So Millie, what can you learn by studying the mosquitoes? My research interests focus on looking at vector-host um, virus interactions and to look at how we can translate this research into therapeutics and um, vaccines for um, dengue. But we're not trying to vaccinate the mosquito against dengue. So why is it important to focus on how the vaccine affects the mosquito? Vaccines are normally life attenuated viruses, so they can still replicate. And the virus life cycle, especially for dengue, is as such. They have to go through humans, mosquitoes, human and mosquitoes in a cycle. So let's say that um, if you have a vaccine and a mosquito bites you, we have to make sure that for the safety um, issues, the mosquitoes cannot replicate the vaccine well. So in this case, because we know in the mosquitoes there can be mutations in the virus, and if the mutation actually give um, rise to a better replication ability in the mosquitoes, then it's, it wouldn't be good. And thanks to the coronavirus, we know all too well what trouble mutations can cause. But when we talk about dengue, we never talk about variants of concern. We always just talk about serotypes. Why is that? So as with the case of dengue, there's actually four circulating serotypes and also dengue cycles between the human and the mosquitoes. Whereas for coronavirus, it actually spreads between humans to humans. So being an RNA uh, virus, um, in terms of the evolutionary context, variants from the SARS-CoV can actually be generated more easily. Whereas for dengue, you have a selection constraint. You need to have, um, be, have a virus population that's well adapted to, um, to grow in humans and also in mosquitoes. So there's, such a, there's something like a genetic bottleneck and a relaxation of the bottleneck as it moves from one host to another. So variants are not so easily generated, but from studies, we know that 
once there's emergence of variants that can grow really well in mosquitoes or like can cause severe diseases in humans, we know that these are variants we should, be, we should take note of. These mutations may not be so drastic as to give rise to a new serotype, but they can be the reason behind spikes in cases. Yeah, so sometimes spikes in Singapore could be due to a change in a circulating serotype. Which is what has been driving cases in Singapore since 2020. Or there can be mutations in the existing circulating serotypes that actually enhances the transmission in the mosquitoes or from a human uh, back to the mosquitoes. You know, it feels like the world will be better off without mosquitoes. Who wants to have dengue, chikungunya and malaria anyway, right? So this is the reason why most people wish that the world's better without them and should eradicate completely. But unknowingly, mosquitoes are very important in our ecosystem. Menchi herself went from self-declared mosquito hater to, well, mosquito nanny. Actually, there are many ecological functions of mosquitoes. One of those is that mosquitoes uh, play a crucial role in the pollination process, which is very important to human and environment. Their absence will badly affect uh, these plants and flowers, leading to a decrease in their growth in the long run. Also, many creatures are dependent on mosquitoes, like fish, dragonflies, flies, frogs, and birds for their daily diet. So if the mosquitoes will be vanished, then survival of these creatures will also be in danger. And another one is that a larva of mosquitoes in pans and in different bodies of water feed on the uh, waste products. So this process saves the water from being contaminated. And the saying that one rotten apple ruins the barrel really applies here too, right? Out of more than 3,000 species of mosquitoes, only 100 go after humans. So what makes humans attractive to these 100 species of mosquitoes? especially for um, the Aedes aegypti mosquitoes. So they are actually domesticated mosquitoes. So in the presence of like carbon dioxide and your body heat, they're actually attracted to us. Sometimes the pheromones you release, such as through your sweat, you have lactic acid in your sweat, they are also attracted to the smell. They will know that, oh, this is a potential blood meal. So the females will actually um, tend to go towards the smell. I've heard people say that blood type also plays a role. Is that true? Well, some research have shown that like certain blood types, such as blood um, O, um, you have a greater tendency to be bitten by the mosquitoes. But that doesn't mean that a hungry mosquito will sift through a crowd to find someone with that blood type, right? I think that's the right thing to say. <laughs> I think if a mosquito is hungry in the presence of human, they will just um, feed on the human for the blood meal. Okay, so we can't get rid of them but we can protect ourselves from being bitten. Of course, there is the dengue wipe-down we're all encouraged to do. But once we are faced with a fully grown female mosquito, there are tons of products out there in the market that promise to protect us. But which ones work? Let's do a quick fire round on what works and what doesn't. Plants like citronella or lemongrass? I don't think so, but citronella or lemongrass extract the essence will work, but not the plant. Deet? Yes. UV light. So the mosquitoes are attracted to UV light, but the electricity is the one who killed the mosquitoes. Essential oils applied in wristbands. Maybe, but I don't think so because it might not be strong enough because other parts of your bodies is actually not covered. Mosquito patches? 
Yes, in the area that the patch is applied near. Ultrasonic repellers. No. Mosquito coils? Yes, but it's it's not so good if you have like eczema, like or like some respiratory problems, right? Because the smell actually causes discomfort. And there you have it. That's it for this episode of Medicus the Podcast, and I hope you enjoyed the trip into the insectary with me. If you want to listen to our previous episodes, check out medicus.buzzsprout.com or head to duke-nus.edu.sg forward slash medicus to read more about what the folks at Duke NUS are up to. And if you never want to miss another podcast or issue, subscribe to Medicus. Thank you to my interviewees, Millie Choi and Menchu Manuel. The music used in this podcast is by Patrick Patricios. And this episode was produced by me, Nicole Lim, for Medicus, a Duke NUS publication.